When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Longacres Finance channel, where the focus is on finding great dividend stocks. Each month I share my process for identifying a short list of the top 10 high-yield dividend stocks that present the best long-term opportunity based on quality and valuation. I'm not going to tell you this is the best way to find dividend stocks, but it has worked well for me in the past, and I believe it can be a valuable resource for the average dividend investor. My definition of high-yield differs from what a typical dividend investor would label a high-dividend yield. My threshold for this watchlist is a dividend yield of 2.75%. The reason I set this threshold so low is because I believe it allows me to see high-quality dividend stocks that normally offer low yields, but currently look more attractive than usual. I'll point one of these examples out when we get to the top 10 list for September. The average dividend yield for the top 10 selections this month is 3.96%, which to me is a very healthy starting dividend yield. The average 5-year dividend growth rate for all 10 dividend stocks selected in September is 20.63%. This is a phenomenal track record for dividend stocks offering a yield around 4%. The goal for this watch list is to have a healthy starting dividend yield, but not sacrifice too much in terms of dividend growth. My selections from the prior month did not perform too well in August. Pretty much after the Fed made their announcement last Friday, the entire market took a nosedive, and all of the early gains in the month were quickly erased. Instead of dwelling on yet another negative month this year, I focused on the opportunity this volatility presents. And that is a chance to dollar cost average into high quality companies that pay a growing dividend stream. In today's episode, I will start with the top 10 dividend stocks my screening process selected for the month of September. Then I'll talk about past performance, the buy and hold strategy, and how that is working out using this monthly watch list. And I'll wrap things up with a brief overview of the screening process I used to put this monthly list together. Let's get to it. First up this month, we have Morgan Stanley that moves ahead of T. Rowe Price Group that topped this list for four months running. Morgan Stanley currently offers a 3.67% dividend yield and is trading about 39% below its fair value based on dividend yield theory. The payout ratio is nice and low at about 38%. Dividend growth has been excellent with a 5-year dividend growth rate of 24.57%. Morgan Stanley finished the month of August with a positive total return of 1.09%. It was amongst the better performing watches stocks last month. I am estimating a long-term annual return for the stock of about 14%. In a very close second place, we have T. Rowe Price Group with a 4.02% dividend yield. Dividend yield theory tells us the stock may be about 39% undervalued as compared to its trailing dividend yield. The payout ratio is comfortable at about 44%. Dividend growth is strong, with the 5-year dividend growth rate being 14.87%. Last month, the stock fell 2.81% and is down about 21% over the past 7 months. I expect brighter returns on the long horizon. My long-term return forecast for T. Rowe is about 23% per year. In third place, we have Best Buy with a 4.7% dividend yield and a potential 50% undervaluation. The stock has fallen sharply this year, but did see better than expected earnings recently. Perhaps that will be the catalyst to finish the year on a positive note. The payout ratio is nice and low, right around 33%. Dividend growth has been excellent, with the 5-year dividend growth rate very close to 20%. It's a rare find to see a dividend stock pay close to a 5% dividend yield and still increase its annual payouts at double-digit rates. The stock fell 8.18% in August and is down almost 29% this year. My long-term return estimate for Best Buy is about 24% per year. In fourth place, we have Advanced Auto Parts with a 3.52% dividend yield and a grossly overstated 85% undervaluation. 
The company kicked its dividend growth machine into overdrive recently. That took its dividend yield from well below 1% to over 3% in a short span of time. As a result, dividend yield theory is not an effective valuation measure to apply to this company. I like the business and the metrics, so I have left it in my top 10 list, but I personally do not believe it's 85% undervalued. Advanced Auto Parts has a good payout ratio of about 58% and a very strong 5-year dividend growth rate of 68.4%. The stock had a rough month in August, falling 12.9%, bringing its 6-month return to minus 16%. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 43%. However, this is also grossly overstated by the incorrect valuation factor. Removing the valuation piece of the equation leaves us with an 11% annual rate of return. I think the stock is attractively valued today. Therefore, I think it meets my minimum return threshold of 12%, and as a result, deserves to be on this watch list. In 5th place, we have BlackRock, with a 2.9% dividend yield, and a potential 21% undervaluation. BlackRock has a good payout ratio of about 46%, and a respectable 5-year dividend growth rate of 12.52%. The stock performed decently in August, finishing the month down 0.42%, which was certainly better than the average market return. It also happens to be up 7.45% over the past 4 months since first popping onto this watch list. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 14% per year. In 6th place we have Blackstone with a 6.1% dividend yield, which has to be one of the highest yields this watch list has seen since I started it almost 2 years ago. Blackstone appears to be about 20% undervalued right now. It has a high payout ratio of about 83%, but that is expected given the high yield it offers. Dividend growth has been excellent with the 5-year dividend growth rate being 16.55%. The stock fell 7.97% in August, and has pretty much been a roller coaster ride since popping onto this watch list in April. It was down in April by nearly 19%, then popped back up by 16% in May, fell again in June by 22.5%, bounced back up in July by 13%, and now has fallen once more. The drops have outweighed the bounces, so overall the stock is down about 24% since April. Not the best start, but given the volatility in the market and my long-term outlook, I will hold and wait. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 18% per year. In 7th place this month we have Comcast with a 3.02% dividend yield and a potential 38% undervaluation. Comcast is appearing in the top 10 list for the very first time this month, and I look forward to see what the stock can deliver in the future. The company has a healthy payout ratio of about 34% and a solid 5-year dividend growth rate of 12.7%. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 20% per year. In 8th place we have Texas Instruments with a 2.76% dividend yield and a potential 14% undervaluation. With the share price dropping 7.65% in August, Texas Instruments once again offers a dividend yield above my minimum threshold of 2.75%. This is exactly the reason I set my minimum threshold this low, to come across opportunities like this. I think the company is a great business and it's tracked to be valued today. I own the position in my portfolio, and I am adding to it following the recent price pullback. Texas Instruments has a good payout ratio of about 43%, and a very strong 5-year dividend growth rate of 20.75%. The stock appeared once before on this top 10 list, 2 months ago. It rocked a cool 17.18% total return in July, and even with a small pullback in August, it is still up 8.22% over the past 2 months. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 13% per year. In 9th place this month we have Truist Financial with a 4.39% dividend yield and a potential 27% undervaluation. Truist was one of the original watchers stocks in November of 2020. The last time it made the top 10 list was November of 2021, so it's been a while. The company has a healthy payout ratio of about 43% and a good 5-year dividend growth rate of 10.09%. The stock finished August with a 6.25% loss. But overall, since joining the watches in November of 2020, it is up 19.9%.
Not bad given the pullback I've seen across many stocks this year. My long-term return estimate for the stock is about 12.5% per year. And the final and 10th stock this month is Intel with a 4.53% dividend yield and a potential 45% undervaluation. Intel has a very nice payout ratio of about 30% and the weakest 5-year dividend growth rate on this month's top 10 list at just 5.97%. The stock had a pretty awful run last month, finishing down 11.19%, marking a streak of 3 consecutive red months now. Year-to-date, it's down more than 36%, making it one of the poorest performing watches stocks. But my focus is on the future and long-term potential, not on what already happened. So my long-term return estimate for Intel is about 16.5% per year. There you have the top 10 high-yield stocks on my watches for September. I think this is a great list of stocks, with a starting dividend yield of nearly 4%, and a history of about 20% dividend growth that is better than average for high-yield dividend stocks. Let's move on to long-term performance now. As I already mentioned earlier, the top 10 list for August finished last month with a loss of 3.96%, which was a little better than the S&P 500, but much worse than VYM, Vanguard's high-yield dividend ETF. Year-to-date, the watch list is down 8.22%, compared to a loss of 6.1% for VYM and 16.17% for SPY. So it's performing much better than the S&P, but continues to trail VYM, that is very difficult to beat. I started tracking this watches in November of 2020, and we are getting very close to two full years now. The annualized return since inception for the watches is 17.78%, well above my 12% target. This return is better than SPY, that is up just 12.51%, but VYM yet again is performing better with a return of 19.01%. That means the watches is trailing VYM by 1.23% and beating SPY by 5.27% on an annualized basis. While it's interesting to look at long-term performance of this watches, the intention is not to invest in all of the stocks presented every month. The main purpose, or at least what I use this watches for, is to see which stocks are potentially attractive at this point in time, and to have a narrow list of stocks I want to research further to determine if I like the company and if it will be a good fit in my portfolio. My personal strategy is to be a buy-and-hold investor with a focus on dividend growth stocks. To showcase the benefits of a buy-and-hold strategy, I started tracking two portfolios that invest an equal amount of money into all of the top 10 stocks each month. Again, I'm not recommending this approach to anyone. The reason I track and share this portfolio with you is to show you how such a strategy works. I track two buy-and-hold portfolios for this watchers, one that started on January 1st, 2021, and the second portfolio that started on January 1st, 2022. Let's talk about the portfolio started in 2021 first. After August, this portfolio includes 44 unique dividend stocks due to the turnover on the top 10 list over the past 20 months. The long-term return for this portfolio is 24.59%, compared to 18.51% for VYM and 7.93% for SPY. So it's performed quite nicely, generating 3.37% of annualized alpha over VYM and 9.41% of annualized alpha over SPY. The portfolio invests an equal amount of money each month into all top 10 watches stocks and repeats this process each month. As a result, there are a handful of what I would call core holdings that make up a larger allocation in the portfolio, and many very small positions well below 1% of the entire portfolio. This of course has a large impact on returns from month to month, but the concept of a buy and hold portfolio is to invest in quality stocks trading for attractive prices, with the intention of holding these positions for a long period of time. I wouldn't expect all of the stocks you select to be winners. But even if a few of your stocks go on to have exceptional growth in the future, overall your portfolio will likely perform better than average. In the short run, this strategy can underperform and lag major indices, because potentially undervalued stocks are typically out of favor and driven down by market sentiment, so it can take months or even years to reap the rewards of a long-term buy and hold approach. And you have to be able to endure this period of underperformance, and even the risk of never matching or outperforming an index fund with this strategy. 
If that doesn't sound like something you want to deal with, you should probably stick with index funds and ETFs. There's nothing wrong with average market returns and slowly compounding your wealth. Let me briefly touch on the buy and hold portfolio started in 2022. The portfolio is made up of 27 unique stocks, as there has been more turnover on the watches this year with the roller coaster ride we've seen in the market. The portfolio is down 8.32% year to date, compared to a loss of only 6.1% for VYM and a loss of 16.17% for SPY. So the strategy is outperforming SPY by a wide margin, but it's not doing better than VYM. A perfect example of the risk you take selecting individual stocks. Granted, 8 months is a short period of time, and I believe in the long run this portfolio will catch up and surpass VYM. For example, in July this portfolio had a return almost twice as high as VYM, which was a pleasant sight. But it doesn't beat the ETF every month, and as you can see, it can have extended periods of below average results. This investing strategy is ideal for me, because I have a long investing horizon, and I am comfortable with short-term underperformance. There are other benefits of investing in individual stocks compared to index funds and ETFs. For example, with dividend stocks, you have more flexibility to control when you receive dividend income. A fund may only pay you 4 times per year, but with 20 dividend stocks, you'll likely receive some dividend income each month, and maybe even every week. I wouldn't base my investing decision solely on when a stock pays its dividend, but it can be one of the factors you consider. You also have more control over the dividend yield in your portfolio, since there are more individual pieces for you to shuffle. Another benefit is that you can only own the companies you like. It may be difficult, if not impossible, to find a fund that doesn't hold at least one company you would never invest in individually. Alright, before I wrap up, let me talk about the process I use to put this list together each month. It all starts with a stock screener from Charles Schwab that I run at the end of each month. The screener looks for dividend paying stocks, with a minimum dividend yield of at least 2.75%, a history of positive dividend earnings and revenue growth over the last 5 years, a payout ratio below 100%, an economic moat, and a good management team, as well as a few other minor specifications. These criteria typically give me a short list of about 30 to 40 stocks each month. I take these companies and rank them based on a combined factor of business quality and valuation. The goal is to identify the best companies, and the most undervalued companies, and sort this list by the best combination of these two factors. Once the list is sorted, I compute a return assumption for all of the stocks, and I go down the list selecting the first 10 that have a return estimate of at least 12%. I can't tell you this process is the best strategy out there, but this is what I like to use, and it has worked well for me. I like to share it with you, not to tell you which dividend stocks to buy, but to see how my process works and which stocks I am looking at. I believe knowledge is power, and if I can help you understand dividend investing just a little more than before you listen to me, my goal is achieved. When you decide to invest in individual stocks, the hardest thing you will cross is figuring out which stocks to invest in, and I can guarantee you that investing solely based on someone else's ideas is unlikely to serve you well in the long run. Maybe you'll do fine, or even better than average. But if the shit hits the fan, you will have very little confidence in the investments you hold, because they were based on someone else's opinion. So if I can leave you with one thing today, it's that you should strive to make your own investing decisions, and use the ideas presented by others as an input to your process.